Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Surviving the Suck Season 3. Wow. Super, super excited for this next guest to be joining us. We actually met, I believe, through Instagram a few years ago. I, I believe it was through COVID. And it's been amazing how social media can connect you with just amazing souls, amazing people. And I really believe that Yasmin is one of them. And so I am going to introduce her really quick. And then I'm also going to have her introduce a little bit more about herself, just so you can get a little bit more background on Yasmin and, and the amazing person that I think she is. Yasmin Irfani is a Pakistani Muslim American currently serving as a program manager of counseling services at IGNA Relief in Southern California. She received her MS in college counseling and student services in 2019 and has been working in the nonprofit world since. Prior to ICNA Relief, she was serving as a youth programs director at NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness, in San Fernando Valley, as well as a Dignity Health North Ridge Hospital. Yasmin is a certified instructor for adult and youth mental health first aid through the National Counseling for Mental Wellbeing. She's also a QPR suicide prevention trainer where she certifies community members and empowers them to lean into the difficult conversations about suicide, which is extremely important in my eyes. A couple of her favorite topics to facilitate, facilitate are self-compassion and social emotional learning for kids, which, uh, yes, I mean, I think it's amazing that you are not only just doing this work yourself, but you're a certified trainer, not only just in, in mental health for state and QPR, because those two trainings, I think, are some of the most amazing, important trainings, um, especially even for youth in America, young adults who are trying to navigate this world of advocacy. So um, thank you for what you do, first and foremost. I think you are one of the most um, bright, just very loving, energetic souls. And, and when I read in your bio that you you like to talk about self-compassion, I really do think you exemplify that well, just from some of the work that I've seen through your social media and even just connecting with you. Um, I'm I'm just super excited to have you here, super grateful for your time. And so, Yasmeen, I'm going to have you actually introduce a little bit more about yourself um, and anything else that you want to share with us uh, as we get the conversation started here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I am honored. So... A little bit about me, I am, I grew up in Southern California as a highly sensitive little girl. And within my Pakistani or South Asian uh, Muslim community, we don't really talk about feelings or mental health. So for most of my life, I thought that I was too much or that I wasn't enough. And I had all of these mistaken beliefs. And thankfully through my own journey and having the privilege and access to good therapy and support systems and education, I am now able to feel that self-acceptance that there's nothing wrong with me and to also be able to normalize this within my community. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I feel really blessed and I feel like it's my responsibility to share my story and be open because I can't force other people in my community to share their own challenges, but I can control what comes out of my mouth and to know that it makes a difference uh, somehow or another. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you touched on that, the personal responsibility, because I think when you look at the world and suicide rates in America. 
um, and, and even just the world, right? Um, our global suicide rate and, you know, suicide being one of the top leading causes of death for someone as young as 10 years old. You know, to me, when I when I hear about that statistic, I constantly am thinking, what can I do to do something? And, and you know, I'm not an expert by any means. You know, I, I've got trainings, but, you know, I didn't study counseling. I didn't study psychology. And so for a long time, I, I often wondered, what could I do? And I, I love that you talk about that sense of, of personal responsibility. Um, and, you know, you talk about growing up, this conversation not being kind of at the forefront for you. Do you think now, if you were to grow up in today's world, do you think things would be better? Or do you think that the conversation has shifted? Or do you think we still got a long ways to go in terms of how we talk about mental health um, in our different communities? I think that there is more openness and normalcy now. Uh, At least like when I see in my community, there's more workshops about social emotional learning and how do you help kids cope with their sadness or their anger or fear whereas I didn't really see anything like that when I was growing up mm-hmm. but I th- I still think there's a long way to go and there's a lot of stigma but change takes time so I'm trying to be patient and keep doing whatever I can and to know that it makes a difference for the next seven generations like one of my mentors used to say, like the inner work that you're doing right now, the cycles that you are breaking will affect the next seven generations. And I think that's so powerful. Wow. That's extremely powerful to even think about, you know, because I, I feel anytime I'm I'm doing mental health awareness and suicide prevention work, you know, I'm I'm constantly thinking, what can we do to change the now? But you often don't think as much about the next seven generations. I mean, that's a big responsibility uh, but but it's a, but it's you know i think about spider-man right with great power comes great sp- responsibility and it's true and so you know yes mean when i when i look at the work that you're doing too i think it's so important to speak to to advocates like you because i think in the advocacy realm we often feel um sometimes invalidated in a way and, and like you said we're a master of our own lived experience which i absolutely love that and it's true, but I think sometimes it can be hard because we feel oftentimes helpless or, you know, when you hear these statistics, you're constantly thinking, you know, what can I do? And so um, I'm curious from your perspective and your experiences too, do you have any tips for anyone who's maybe listening and is is wanting to do mental health awareness and suicide prevention advocacy and they don't really know where to start? Like, what advice would you give them on that journey? That's a great question. I would say that, and this is something I teach a lot in the trainings, is that it starts with you and your own mental health. So like to really embrace yourself, be tender and kind to yourself and your own journey before you can help other people. Because it takes a lot of inner work, but it really does start with our own healing. And you taking time and energy to invest in your healing will be a gift not only to you but every single person around you subconsciously so I think that that's a way to be very impactful and effective rather than trying to bypass that process yeah yeah sure thing that first step of 
self-acceptance, I think sometimes too. I, I struggled with that for a long time when it came to speaking, even on the topic, because I often felt like I'm not a counselor. Um, I'm not a psychologist, a psychiatrist. I do have my own lived experience, but for a long time, I questioned, what well, is my own lived experience good enough to talk about? You know, because you hear all these amazing stories about people who have made these miraculous strides. And I felt like I was only taking these small, little, tiny baby steps. Um, and it wasn't until I heard the quote, small steps are still steps, that it made me realize maybe there is some worth in what I'm going through. And if I could just speak on it, and maybe that one person who needs to hear it, it could become a survival guide for them, then I've done what I can. And so I always tell people, for me too, and, and exactly what you're saying is use your voice even if it shakes. You know, even if you are ready, but you're terrified of what that might look like or what that might, you know, un, 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 or I guess reveal about you. If you feel like you're ready and you want to speak on it, you know, it's okay to do that. And I had to give myself permission because I, I wasn't getting it from, a you know, no one was asking me to really speak on this. Um, and I think you probably relate to this, too. It's it's something that when you feel that personal responsibility and maybe even it's a higher calling, right, or something that just draws you in. I think if something bothers you, you're being called to change it. And so I, I love that you're speaking to that because it's it's just so true. Um and so how how do you see, even in the the trainings that you do when you're educating people, what do you think is the one thing that helps people understand that they can make a difference? Um, you know, do you have any tips or, or advice there? Yeah, I would. Uh, I love that so much. So one of my favorite things about the training is to remind people that it's about having a heart to heart rather than a brain to brain. So instead of getting so lost and overthinking, what do I do? What do I say? It's like coming to the heart space and remembering that we're humans with each other. So we can, if we can focus on holding space and listening, that is life-saving and it's life-changing. So it's easier said than done, but it's a practice and listening changes and saves lives. Oh, yes. You just touched on my favorite, favorite thing. I think listening is so huge because really listening to someone non-judgmentally, compassionately, you know, even with your body language, especially when someone's in crisis I have seen, you know, nodding my head to validate them, you know, when I'm listening almost with, you know, just having the facial expression of I'm truly listening, I truly care. Um, because there was someone that I was talking to one time. And this person was sharing with me that when they couldn't talk to the people around them about their suicidal thoughts, because every time they did, the people around them would almost scowl at them. And it wasn't because it was intentional. It was just they were almost so um, anxious and almost in a way scared to have the conversation because they didn't know what to do as advocates or, or, or even as people who love them. And so I've always thought about that because I've always thought about, for me, 
my facial expressions, my body language when I'm listening to someone, it really does matter. Those communication tactics and tools, it really does matter when you're in a moment with someone and you're trying to talk it through with them. Um, yeah, it, it listening, listening, listening. Someone once told me you have two ears and one mouth. And so I think doing that, um, you know, and one of the algae steps with mental health first aid is listen non-judgmentally, the L. I, th- I think that's the key point because you got to listen to understand and not just to respond. Um, yeah. hundred percent. And I uh, like to show this image in mental health first aid, which is of Kevin Briggs, who's known as the guardian of the Golden Gate Bridge. And he's talked over 200 people from jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge and dying by suicide through listening. And he has a TED talk about it. And it's amazing to show the extreme part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, when, when you think about it, I think about my experience, you know, someone listening to me saved my life. Because when I was at the very, very end, I I describe it to people as I felt like I was in this tunnel and the light was just getting dimmer and dimmer. Like it just felt like hope was slowly fading and I couldn't see my family, my friends. So anytime people would say to me, you know, well, don't do this because think about your family and your friends. I couldn't see that. I couldn't even understand that because the frame of mind I was in, my mind was just telling me, you have to die for your pain to end. And now, when I think back on it, I'm like, I didn't have to die for the pain to end. There were so many other opportunities and so much more healing that that was there to be done, but I couldn't see, I couldn't hear, I couldn't understand that with the frame of mind I was in. And so um, one phone call saved my life from someone who was concerned about me and was was, they said they were praying in the car and they called me and just said, God told me I needed to call you right now. And when I heard that, and I just kind of started pouring it out, you know, him listening and him being there and him telling me, you can survive this, you can do this, I'm here, you're not alone. Just those simple things that you hear all the time, right? You see him on billboards, you see him on t-shirts, it's, it's, it's different when you're in the moment. And you hear those things and you have someone who truly cares and is truly listening. I mean, I think about that now. I would not be here if it wasn't for that phone call. I would not be here if that person didn't listen non-judgmentally and just validated and was there with me in the suck. And so I think just that power of listening. Oh, my goodness. Wow. It's so amazing. So amazing. And so, Yasmin, do you feel like you have an example or, or something even in your life where someone has listened to you and it's it's changed the course of even your own mental health journey what what has that been like for you mm, oh i need to think about that because there's been so many moments it's like a like yeah. each little moment motivates me to keep doing what i'm doing and it's how do i say it like I'm trying to think of one experience that I could share because there's been so many, like I'm so blessed to be able to say that. And there's been a lot of moments of not listening and being <laughs> invalidated. So right. On that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, hey, we're, we're human, right? It, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's sometimes it's the nature of the beast sometimes. Exactly. And that's what I also try to remind people that we are imperfect and 
I'm a talker. So sometimes to this day, I da, 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 like I was just like trying to fill up the space, try to take the pain away. And then I need to like, I'll just apologize. I'll be like, okay, sorry, I care about you. That's why I'm talking too much, but let me restart. And so it's okay for us to make mistakes in the process uh, and, and start again. Um, but so there was a moment when I was having my own mental health crisis after grad school in 2019. And one of my mentors, and he's a, a scholar in our Muslim community, Sheikh Sohail Mullah, and I really look up to him. Uh, and a lot of people do actually. So I talked to him in person about what I was going through and some suicidal thoughts that I was having, which was very vulnerable for me because in my community, it's very taboo. Like even just using the word suicide is extreme. So for me to sit with him and for him to listen to me and for me to cry and share what was going on, on with myself, I think that really did change the course of my life and career because it made me realize that he did not judge me. He did not start giving me lectures about how suicide is forbidden in Islam or that you should be grateful, you have food, you have shelter, look at other people in the world. He didn't do any of that. Mm. And he told me like, you know, the Yasmin that I see is a pretty likable person. Or he said something like that, which really affirmed me because I was so hard on myself in that moment. And that's what also inspired me to teach QPR and dedicate the rest of my life to mental health awareness so that other people can have the experience that I did because it could have gone a completely different way. I could have been shamed and guilted and all of that. Wow. I'm so glad you weren't. I'm so glad you weren't because, you know, this is why to me suicide prevention is so important is because it saves lives. I mean, just point blank. I mean, when I hear your story in that situation and that person being well-informed enough to be non-judgmental and to understand the reality of mental health issues um, and, and even in terms of, of religion too, you know, I... I'm Catholic, and so there's a lot of of different type of stigma in the Catholic Church. And then you look at just really any type of religion. I feel sometimes there are these um, these stigmas that are still alive. And so sometimes I get a little nervous when I'm speaking so openly about it. And sometimes I'll have people from my church say things like, you know, oh, you know, how could you be this way? God has blessed you with so much. And and to me, it's you know, I still have a great relationship with God. You know, it doesn't change anything. I'm just dealing with an illness. And, you know, we don't talk about this. The, we don't talk about other illnesses this way. Um, I think it was Kevin Hines who who said it. He, you know, he said mental health issues, addiction, suicidal thoughts are the only diseases that we blame the person for. And, and that is so true. Um, have you seen the stigma kind of play out in your life um, and, and how have you kind of navigated that or combated that yourself? Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much stigma and I love Kevin Hines. He's so amazing and has really helped me in my journey too. So I just have to say that. Yeah. But the stigma, it feels like it's in the air sometimes. And I, I have felt like I can't breathe mm -hmm. because I'm 
like most of my life I've tried to be authentic, but when I share my vulnerability, there's been times when I've felt so invalidated and thankfully I have had the privilege and access to unlearn and have the safe space with a therapist to see that there's nothing wrong with me. And because of that, I feel like it is my responsibility to decrease the stigma in the community because the community because not everybody has access to good multiculturally competent therapists mm-hmm. or they don't have the money or the time or the resources. So for those of us who do, I think that we have to help others out and it's all about normalizing that being human is hard and it's not a lack of faith to go through depression or anxiety or grief. You, and I totally relate to you. Like, I feel like I have such a strong relationship with God and my creator because of my mental health challenges, they bring me closer to him. So for somebody to like judge and get in, in between that personal relationship, it's so messed up. Yes. You just, oh, I could just jump out of my chair right now. There are so many things that you are speaking to that I just want to like, ugh, I just want to take this, that recording of everything that you just said and put it on every news station because it's true. I, I think with religion and faith and, you know, I, I think about my experience growing up when I was struggling I was 13 years old, you know, and I was struggling with depression and I went to my teacher and told her about these things. And the response was, well, you just need to pray more, you know, pray it away. And it's like, well, I'm praying every day, you know? So, so I love when you are talking about, there is nothing wrong with me having a faith in God, my creator, while also having these mental health challenges that doesn't say anything about your faith and i i've never related to someone more than you right now when you just said that you going through this has brought you closer because i i relate to that in so many ways my my faith in god has only gotten stronger because of the things that i've been through and 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 even my relationship with humanity people around me because if i see someone crying in public now maybe in the past i probably would have just walked past that person to be in complete full transparency now when i see someone crying i am actively walking towards them and asking you know you seem really upset is there anything i can do to help you you know because i don't know what that person's going through that could be the worst day of their life and maybe they're considering you know something that should never be an option and so oh everything you just said just completely validated me because there's so much i think in our world today um that we, we don't talk about these things and we need to keep talking about them because there's so much healing when we come together and we realize that we're not alone, but we, we can't realize that unless we talk about it. It's like when you sweep things under a rug, it only makes for a bumpy floor and we have to elevate these conversations. We just have to. We do. We have to, because there's too much on the line. I mean, the fact that every 40 seconds, someone is taking their own life and our planet like that in itself is enough to to be like can we all be more open and authentic because it gives other people permission to be vulnerable too it's so magical and powerful to see like anytime I've been vulnerable with someone it 
almost unlocks the key to their own vulnerability and then they get to share with me and it's this beautiful connection and I want everyone to be able to experience that yeah yes yes intense love doesn't measure it just gives it's one of my favorite quotes intense love doesn't measure it just gives and I think about that with what you're doing with your everything that you're doing in the advocacy realm, the trainings, just being a compassionate person, you are not measuring that impact. You are just doing it. You're giving, you're loving, and even for yourself, to intensely love yourself that much, um, enough to give yourself grace, to give yourself the time that you need to heal, and then be able to share that with other people, I think is truly remarkable. Um, Because it's, like you said, there's too much on the line here. And I think that's oh man, I that's another quote. I you're 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 saying so many things that now I want a tattoo of or something. But it's true. There's there's too much on the line because we're talking about people who are going through some of the hardest moments of their life. And when society can't cut you a break or you don't have the access that you need, like you said earlier, to the funds available to get quality mental health counseling, but then also. I learned this in college, um, you know, me being someone who's, you know, a white female, it's easy for me, especially because I live in the Midwest, it's easy for me to go find a white counselor, especially if I want to find a white woman counselor. There's many of those available, right? But for someone who is of a different culture or a different um, background as me, there's another barrier that's put in place, another um obstacle that that we need to acknowledge but not give it power so how do we as advocates even yes mean I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this like how do we advocate for more of those opportunities for um people who maybe just don't have that access and that care what what can someone like me or maybe even some of my listeners do to be better you know advocates and help this cause wow it's hard Um, but I think what I would say is what you're doing, like getting representation or like bringing people from different backgrounds to share their voice so that other people who look like them can relate because I didn't see people from my own culture or religion being open and vulnerable. So I thought that I'm alone and that there's something wrong with me. Mm. And so I would say that giving platforms to continue sharing voices from different people is huge and then yeah representation matters yeah and even like within my community like I feel like even if everybody can't go to a therapist if we can each take our own personal responsibility and focus on how to learn. I mean, sorry, not like how to listen Mm -hmm. and ask open-ended questions to encourage other people to talk and feel validated and reaffirmed. That in itself is healing. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has to go to a therapist per se to feel that self-acceptance and I mean, I think everybody should be in therapy, but there aren't enough therapists. <laughs> that is true. Me too. I'm the same way. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but it comes back to oneself. If I can't sit with my 
darkness or the hard stuff, then it will be really hard for me to go and witness somebody else's pain. So that's what I would say to the listeners, like be there for yourself so that you can be present for others. Um, because we can't take people's pain away or heal their traumas or whatnot, but we can witness them. And that in itself is a huge gift. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and, and so someone, I went to this training seminar where they talked about this. Like if you're someone who is kind of closed off to just the idea of people having mental health issues, because maybe you've never experienced it or you've never been through it. Um, there are a lot of people who who just simply don't understand, you know, and, and I honestly praise God that they don't understand because um, I think I can't even imagine what it would be like to live a life without mental illness. I, I mean, I, I just think about it has to be so much. It just has to be easier. Right. Because it for me, it's it's a daily battle. But, you know, I was at this seminar and the instructor did something that I thought was so amazing. And they said, I want you to imagine someone in your life that maybe you just don't understand or you're struggling with, you know, like whoever it is, um, imagine this person. And now imagine there's, whether you believe in God or a higher power, or maybe it's just this, this idea of love just pouring into your heart. Like you're standing in front of this person and you're receiving all the love in the world. Like all the love that people could ever give you is just filtering through your body, through your heart. And you just take a second to feel all of that in your heart and then you look at the person in front of you who you don't understand and you don't really know how to love them and maybe you're struggling with loving them and you feel this sense of tension and you feel this sense of I can't give you this love and I don't want to give you this love and then you just let it go and all of the love that is within you just illuminates onto this person and you just see this person light up with joy and you just see this person almost lift through the air with just beams of light and love just radiating through them. And then all of a sudden that person turns around and they do it to the next one. And I, I, I think that example of just pure love and compassion, that to me is suicide prevention. Like that is what people like you and I, Yasmin, are, are trying to do is to just give all the love that we can in hopes that it not only helps that one person, but then they turn around and they can do it for someone else and and, and just illuminate that light and that love. And so I, I just want to tell you right now, I, I think you are one of those people for me. You have been. And I can't even imagine how many people you've poured that love into. And so thank you from advocate to advocate. I'm getting emotional here, but thank you because I know that you're shining that light to so many people who need it and to anyone who's listening to this if you are someone who you have some light that in love that you need to give I encourage you to just let it go today and just see the impact of the people around you the smiles the joy the laughter the the tears maybe even that's how we change the world I truly believe that I truly believe that so <laughs> that gave me goosebumps that it it makes me want to cry hearing that beautiful example I've never heard that the story that you just shared and that's what it is it's love it's kindness yeah. it's empathy it's being a safe person yeah in the world like yeah. if, 
if we could all just be a safe person where anyone can say anything to us and we're not reactive or judgy, then that's what it comes down to. It's not, we don't have to be psychologists or have PhDs or certain degrees. We have to be a caring, empathetic human. And that is a gift. It's enough. Mm. Wow. Oh, everything you just said, it's a gift. It's enough. You are a gift. You are enough. Yeah. Wow. Wow. There, there's so much that I'm just sitting with because my heart just feels so full right now. Um, wow. I mean, you are so loved and yes, mean, I, wow. I'm just blown away right now. This has never happened on the podcast where I've just been speechless, but you know, I know there are so many people who listen to this and they're going through hardship. They're going through the suck. What advice would you have for someone who is in that and is trying to navigate it? What would you tell them? Oh, there's so much that I would want to say, but I would want to acknowledge that it is hard. Like, please validate your own feelings. And it's also really hard to do it alone. So despite the obstacles and barriers, please keep reaching out and trying to find the support that works for you because you matter and you're worthy of it. So nobody else can help you the way that you can help yourself reach out and get that support. So please do it because it's not only a gift to you, but everyone around you. So sometimes I tell myself that where I'm like, okay, I'm, if it's hard for me to be motivated to do something for myself, to think about, okay, my little niece, the little people in my lives, like I'm doing it for them so that I can be, be that loving force for them. So yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Yes. I retweet everything that you just said because it's, it's, you are just a true gift. Um, I feel really honored that, that I got to have you on my podcast because this is, I think so many people need to hear that, but also so many people need to hear beautiful people like you who are doing this work. And, you know, I, I talk about the arena a lot. A lot of people hear me talk about the advocates in the arena with me that we're fighting this fight and you are one of those people. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your voice. Thank you for your story. Thank you for being that kind of ray of love that we need so desperately in our world today, because I know that where you are, you are changing the world, but it with through every person that you meet. Um, and you maybe you might not even change the world, but you change someone's world. And, um, the world is better because you exist. So thank you so much for being here today. Um, I just can't say enough great things. And, um, and yeah. I, I want to say one thing in response to that. Um, like, I, I so appreciate the validation. And it reminds me of this quote by Rumi. He's a poet. And he says, the beauty you see in me is a reflection of you. Oh, wow. And so... Like everything you're saying to me is a reflection of yourself and to the listeners. It's like anytime someone, if, if they are invalidating or critical in your own journey, please remember it's a projection of their own stuff. 
and it has nothing to do with you. So whether someone says you're amazing or you're horrible, it is their own projection. So yeah. Oh, wow. Nothing personally, nothing is ever personal. Yes. Yeah. I had someone once tell me if, when you're coated in the oil of joy, everything rolls off you. And I love that. So it's, yeah, it's beautiful. So coat yourself in the oil of joy today. Yes. Mean, thank you for being here. Um, and thank you for being on the pod and just this amazing conversation and for everyone listening, um, we hope you enjoyed the conversation with us. Um, if you have more questions, you can find Yasmeen on Instagram, Yasmeen Irfani. And um, I'm following her. So if you go to my follow list, you can find her on there as well as the Instagram, Surviving the Suck. Um, we're just super, super grateful for the conversation today. Thank you for your time. And for anyone listening, you matter. You are loved. If you're struggling and you need immediate help, Suicide Hotline is always free, confidential, available 24-7, and that number is now 988, so you can check it out um, anytime and, and feel validated and loved from someone at the end of that phone call. So thank you, Yasmin, again um, for everything today. Thank you. Sending you love and light. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. Keep on surviving the suck. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.